My name's Lori Cochran. I'm one of the founding pastors with my husband, Van. And it's my pleasure to come and talk to you today just about what the Christian life is all about. It's challenging. I can't, I can't deny that. But as we look into the passage in Hebrews 12, I want you to know that there's an invitation that, that we're being given and it's up to us to choose. And I chose that day to follow Jesus. I didn't want to reject him. And I couldn't say that I don't believe because I did believe. But before we get into that passage, I want you to understand about the book of Hebrews because it's, it's unique in that it's one of the uh, few books in the New Testament that the author is unknown. He was um, very familiar with the apostles, we understand from chapter two. And these apostles lived with Jesus, so he had secondhand knowledge, but it was written before the temple worship ended in Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so we know it was very recently written after Jesus died. And we know that it was written to Jewish believers, so it's called Hebrews. These Jewish believers were very thoroughly familiar with the Old Testament. The prophets, the law that was given to Moses, the um, tabernacle and all the sacrifices, and they just knew all about all the great men and women of faith, and so, when you read the book of Hebrews, you just kind of need to look in the Old Testament at the same time. But the point that the author wants us to grasp in the whole book is that Jesus is superior to everything that was written in the Old Testament. All the prophets, all the law, all the sacrifices, Jesus is superior to all of that. And you, you read that in the very beginning of the book in verse Verse three just stands out. But the author also is warning the believers because they are actually experiencing hardship. They're suffering, they are being persecuted and even being imprisoned. And so the author is coming alongside them in a very gentle way and in giving them instructions how to live the Christian life and to not abandon it because Jesus is superior. So, I want to take you to Hebrews 12, the first two verses. So if you have your Bible or open your, your phone and scroll into that passage, I'd like to read it to you. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. 
I'm going to look at one phrase at a time, so keep your Bibles open. But first, I want you to draw attention to the fact that this passage starts with a therefore. And so it's referring to the previous chapter in Hebrews 11, which is a recounting of all the great men and women of faith who lived out their faith without seeing the fulfillment of the promises of God and who suffered, and many of them died. So they are what many people, uh, scholars have thought as the cloud of witnesses. Said, let us, or since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, and it's interesting because some people, some scholars think this is just a, a, a figure of speech, there are lots of people watching. But some take this, which I would agree, is a literal expression of the many saints in heaven that are a cloud of witnesses. They are witnessing Jesus firsthand, and they are witnessing from heaven you and me and all believers. They are surrounding us. And the reason I say that with such conviction is God actually gave me like an open vision, which I don't, I'm not in the habit of seeing. But last March I was, um, I saw this picture in my mind of a coliseum with men with togas sitting and standing in a stadium like Ben-Hur. And I went, God, what is this? And he, I just sense that this was that picture of the cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. So I, I took that as an encouragement. Uh, yeah, we, we need to be inspired knowing that we have those that have gone before. I'm thinking of my mother, my grandparents, the saints. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my heroes. And I'm thinking, he... I want to be inspired by his life and know that he is watching. And it's like a serious thing that's happening in heaven. So, the passage goes on to say, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Now, it's almost as if he's saying to honor those cloud of witnesses, it's our duty to be intentional and run that race with everything we've got and not letting anything distract us from that. And we're told to get rid of encumbrances. Some translations say weights, and it's a good description because an encumbrance isn't necessarily a sin, but it is something that keeps me from focus. Um, we can have hobbies like golf and fishing, which are just fine, uh, but they can be a distraction and take us away from what we need to be paying attention to. It can be a, a, a person we're really relying on or a, um, a habit like staying up too late or 
just being overoccupied with your investments. It's just, it can be a number of things, and it's all individual. I think of when I um, experienced one of those weights, um, and, it, and it, was, it was something in my heart that was drawing me. And it was a good thing. It was actually just playing in a tennis league. So, um, but I happened to have three little kids um, at home, and God just showed me that my, my focus needed to be elsewhere than committing myself to something that was good, but this wasn't the right time. So it, it's just very individual, but it, it's, it's important that we allow God to renew our minds so that we're listening to what is God calling me to, what are his purposes, what is his desire that he's put in my heart that I want to walk with him by the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, and the sin which so easily entangles us. Now this is serious because you don't want to be strapped. You don't want to be enslaved or, or chained down. And that's what sin does. It, it, it keeps us from following God's purposes in our lives. And so the sin can be Anything that draws us away from what God's purposes are can be greed, lust, envy, um, anger, um, fear, those kinds of things that we recognize. Okay, God, show me my sin so that I can forsake it, so that I can turn away from it, so I repent of it. So that's my prayer is that there would be a red flag in my mind that, Lori, you're, getting, you're get, getting off track. You're not following me. Um, and this is a serious issue, and you need to confess it. And so there have been times when um, I have to admit that I have a hard time admitting my, uh, when I'm wrong. <laughs> and that can really become a sin when I'm not confessing it. But I know that when I do ask forgiveness, when I do make things right, I have such peace. And God um, just makes the relationship wonderful. So I know that that forgiveness is something that I can always receive and I can always break free from any sin that might try to entangle me. Well, this was really... Um, really a dramatic thing that happened to me. Before I came to know Jesus and trust him, um, my sister, who's five years older than me, um, her name's Karen, and I remember exactly where we were when she said, will you please forgive me? Now, I have no idea what it was all about, but I remember the impact of her owning her offense was unusual for our family. That just didn't happen. And, so, and I knew that it was because of her faith. So that confession and receiving forgiveness and owning our sin is, just breaks free in so many ways. Maybe right now you're thinking of something specific that you need to ask God to forgive you for. And so I just want to take one second and say, God, we thank you for your love and your, that you died for every sin, every time that we've walked away. And I just ask that you would come and bring your cleansing 
and forgiveness to anyone that it needs to receive that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the next phrase is, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I really like this because I'm competitive, let's face it, but this isn't about a competition. First of all, the author says, let us. And I think it's wonderful the way he gives instructions. This is not a give it a try, but he's saying this is a command. Let us run with endurance. And he is coming alongside saying, let's do this together. But he's also saying that this is a race. It is not an evening walk in the park. This is a long distance race. This is something that you need to be intentional about. And he's saying that God has called you to a race. He has set before you a race. Each person, each person that's a follower of Jesus has a race that's set before them. And that's just exciting to me to know that God has called me for purpose. It's not just for heaven, but he has has things that he wants to do through me and in me right now. And he's saying to run with endurance. And yet you think about training. The Olympics are coming up this week. And there is a lot of intentionality going into running a race with endurance. There is so much conditioning and um, sacrifices and um, just all kinds of having the goal before you. And so that is the idea here is that when we run with endurance, we are stewarding the resources God's given us, whether it's our time, our money, our relationships, um, our gifts, we are stewarding them with endurance, intentionality. And it's, um, I think of perseverance as a word that's really important here, that we don't, um, we don't think of the race as a, um, a timed event, like a cross-country race is, you know, they measure your time. But in a sense, we all are given so much time. And so we want to use that time wisely. And we know that um, in the long term, every moment counts. So we want to take care of ourselves and not just our spirituality, but our physical, our health, our emotional health. Um, we, we just need to take care of our, ourselves and only you can do that. So we wanna be faithful and present to God ourselves and trust him to use us right now in the present, but also for the future that he has for us. Now comes the most important point in this, these verses, is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Well, where is my focus? How do I run a race if I don't have my focus on the goal? Am I listening for the 
the cheers and the accolades of others? Am I looking for the approval of my friends and my family? No, I'm looking straight in the direction of Jesus, and I'm not letting any other motivation distract me. So it's, it takes concentration, and when you think about it, Jesus said, fix my, uh, fix our eye. The author says, fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the one that speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And so we need to pay attention to the speaker, right? And so it's, it's just like, why aren't we watching him? Why aren't we looking to him? He's speaking. He's warning us. He's instructing us. He's encouraging us. He is the one we need to pay attention to. And then when you think of, he is the author and perfecter of faith. He is our brother gone before. He has written the book. He is the book. And I don't know about you, but I, my love for the word, it just grows and grows and grows as I spend time with him. And I love to read the word. I love to study it. In our house group on Thursday nights, we really get into what is it saying? I, I love to memorize it and meditate on it. And I love just to listen to the messages and, and podcasts and anything that's encouraging. I think we can, we can hear Jesus' voice if we listen and pay attention. And he's calling us to do his works. That's part of the perfecter of our faith is actually following through with what he's saying to us. And then so such a high value that we have here is worship. We love to be in his presence and we invite him to come and fill our hearts and our minds with that picture, that image of the throne room in heaven where we're worshiping with the angels, we're worshiping with all the saints. And if you haven't done this, look in Revelation 4 and just imagine what that scene looks like and how you can enter into that worship in heaven. And it doesn't mean just worship right here on Sundays, but enjoy worshiping at home in your private uh, place where you can turn on some music or just sing from your heart songs of praise, thank you, and just telling him you love him. I have moments when I'll hear a song and I just imagine that I'm doing a slow dance with Jesus. and He's holding me tight. And I just love to be in that intimate presence with him. So would you join me right now and say, I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. Say it again. I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. That's what he wants so much. He deserves it. He's worthy of all our devotion. And then the verse goes into, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know, Jesus was really a happy guy. But he knew that the cross was what he was called to, to go what was coming beyond that. The cross was the pathway to the ultimate joy of bringing 
you and me and all the saints to the Father. So it was the joy of the Father and the Holy Spirit. They all shared when Jesus went to the cross because they knew what he was accomplishing. Yeah, we, we have to keep that joy in mind too. And it's just amazing when you think of how many, um, how he saw us when, and he had us in mind when he went to the cross so that he could endure all the suffering that he endured. And it's, it's just, again, worth noting that Jesus was, was lived a happy life. He was full of joy. In Hebrews 2, it also says that he was anointed with more, the spirit of joy more than his friends. So it wasn't just the cross, but he lived out a joy-filled life. And the promise of future joy was always in the back of his mind because as he endured the cross, he had that to look forward to. Well, the verse goes on to say, despising the shame. And I was thinking this morning how, what shame does. And one thing that, I don't know how many have experienced this, but when we start feeling sorry for ourselves, we're forgetting about who we are and we can become shamed. Well, Jesus, of course, he, he endured horrible shame. He, he hung naked on the cross in front of his um, strangers and enemies, his friends, his family, even his mother. And he endured the shame of um, being seen as someone who failed, who was a fraud. But he kept in mind who he was. He said, I'm the son of the living God. And even though these people can laugh and mock me, I know who I am, even if they don't. And I am looking forward to, well, I know why I'm doing this, but I'm also looking forward to what lies ahead. Well, the last phrase is despising the shame. Shame was, um, oh, I just said that, shame. The last phrase is he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is his place of glory and the fullness of joy. And as we worship, we can see the glory that's before him when we think of all that he's done well, my life has been one of challenges. Um, I entered into the kingdom understanding that I didn't have to be guilty for the things that I had done, that I could um, confess and be forgiven completely. I was going through a really confusing time, and it was um, such a relief once I... Um, confess my sin and trusted Jesus that I um, had this peace that I never had before and this security that I never experienced. Um, even though I grew up in a, gr a good home, I, was, I, I felt insecure and unsure about my future. And knowing that Jesus 
from the studying the Bible with Mary Lou that he actually experienced everything that I experienced. He knew what it was like to be tired. He knew it was like to be hungry, rejected. Um, he, he experienced every temptation, yet he never sinned. And so that just really opened my eyes to see how much he loved me because he suffered for even when I didn't deserve it. And the fact that these verses pointed me to a purpose for my life made such a difference for me because I thought, I, well, my mom had us watch Billy Graham every time he was on, so I really knew the gospel, and I knew that heaven was um, available to me if I confessed Jesus, but I never heard that message of there's a purpose for my life right now. And as we pursue God here and know that we have gifts of the Holy Spirit that enable us to live that life and to also bring salvation and healing to others. It's, it was just such a, a, a wonder and inspiration to me. Well, going forward after my college life and meeting Van and having him partner with me, we were, it, you know, we can't do this apart from community and we need people that we can trust to, um, share with us when we're having a bad attitude or we're, we need to um, keep our focus right and, and, and not be distracted. Um, but Van, he has um, always encouraged me to not work at night. <laughs> Sometimes I can be driven and, um, you know, I used to resent that because I thought that he was being selfish. He wanted me to sit with him. But now I realize that it was really for my own good because I need to slow down. And so that partnership is so important. And our partnership has gone through many challenges um, with um, starting with starting a church, um, a little church in, in Granger, Indiana, to moving to Owasso, Michigan. Um, leaving Michigan with our four kids and moving to Illinois where we didn't have a job, we didn't have a house, there, but we knew that this was God. He was calling us to learn how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it was an adventure, but it was that focus on, I'm going to go after the prize. I'm going after what God's called us to and trust him for all the details. And then when we moved back, moved here to Cincinnati, um, we resigned the church that we came to um, pastor, or Van came to pastor, I wasn't part of that, um, except I was partnering with him. <laughs> um, we decided to start this church 20 years ago. And it was like, what are we going to do? Who, who's going to who's going to come with us? What are, we need all? The, what, how do you how do you do this? But it was exciting because God was calling us, and we knew that this was the direction that He was calling us to. So that 
running the race with endurance is so important that we just stick with it, we don't give up, and we are sure of what the call of God is on our lives. So I am going to invite the, the worship team up right now, and I'd like for us to, to um, stand, and I'd like to minister um, to you right now uh, what God has saying to your heart. So if you'd all stand. First of all, some of you are wondering, what is the call of God on my life? I, I am, I'm interested, but I don't know Jesus. And I haven't surrendered my life. And so if that's you, I'd just like to pray with you right now for an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. So if you just close your eyes and um, pray with me if this is the prayer of your heart. God, I just, I, I admit that I've been leading my life without your leadership. And I recognize that you are the son of God. You are um, the one that sacrificed your life for me. You suffered um, terribly and, you're, and you were shamed. But I receive the forgiveness that you paid for me on the cross. And I, I admit my sin and I ask you to come. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, please let me know. Come and tell me or some of the other pastors. But others of you, I believe God's calling you also to be more intentional about fixing your eyes on Jesus. There may be times where you think, well, I'm just too busy. And that's okay, God understands. But when he gets your attention, when he says, hey, remember me, then turn to him and say, what are you saying to me, God? I want to know. I want to hear your voice. And so just ask him to, to, um, to speak. And he does. He, he speaks to each one of us. And so accept the challenges that he's put before you and receive his peace, receive his truth. So right now I just pray that God, you would bring a clear vision of who you are to every person here, that they might in their mind's eye see you, love you, and thank you for what you have done in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.